from the WIA News Hub in Sydney and WIA News Studios across Australia. This is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. This is Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH. The battle over New South Wales planning restrictions on amateur radio antenna masts continues. The deadline for making submissions to the latest phase of the New South Wales planning review closed on Friday last, 9th November. Thank you to all those who made the effort to file a submission to the Department of Planning and Infrastructure. I note that a number of you also filed submissions to the Local Government Regulation Review being conducted by the Independent Pricing and Regulatory Tribunal. Thanks to you too, and well done. Now, our battle has to enter a new phase. The political campaign phase. Yes, just as you immediately thought. This means taking our cause to your local member of the New South Wales Parliament. But, rein in your enthusiasm for a moment. This phase needs to proceed in a considered way or our efforts will be lost amongst the clutter of other issues. This coming week, I want you to do some homework. If you know who your local member is, gather his or her contact details and keep them to hand. The address and phone numbers of their electoral office, their postal address and their contact email address. If you don't know which state electorate you live in, I'll have instructions on how to find out posted on the WIA website. Preparing a letter to your local member requires a different approach to writing a submission to a government department. I'll have guidelines on how to approach it posted to the WIA website soon, so look out for it. Last week I told you about what a spokesman from the New South Wales Department of Planning and Infrastructure told the Sydney Morning Herald and quoted in an article on New South Wales Amateur's troubles with red tape over antenna masts. He said that, quote, allowing higher aerials without a detailed development application process could cause unacceptable streetscape and neighbourhood safety issues, unquote. We have to change that view. In the meantime, here's how the department is promoting the planning reform, and I want you to think it over. Quote, the New South Wales government is creating a planning system for the 21st century. A planning system focused on the public interest. A planning system that places people and their choices at the heart of planning decisions about the future. Unquote. Radio amateurs are people. We chose to get a licence. In New South Wales, we're being excluded from the planning decisions of the future. And that goes for future radio amateurs in New South Wales too. This is Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH. I'll see you further down the log. And that we definitely will, Roger. Thanks, Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH there on VK1WIA National News. Hello, I'm Graham VK4BB. This is the WIA National News. This for Remembrance Day 2012. It's the November 11 edition. Hams across Australia. CRARC's next members meeting will be the 28th of November, which will be the annual Christmas Bash Barbecue and a Trash and Treasure Night. If you're contemplating going along, take along any of your surplus gear as CRARC is looking at bringing along more of their surplus gear so you can really make a feast of it. All are welcome whether you're a member or not. Bring a like-minded guest and enjoy the festivities. That, of course, is in VK1. VK2 and SARC receives Commonwealth Volunteer Grant Scheme of $3,350. Yes, the massive $3,350 grant under the Commonwealth's Volunteer Grant Scheme will be used for various items to assist Summerland to improve facilities and training capabilities 
at their Lismore club rooms. And food for thought, Illawarra Amateur Radio Society has been holding its meetings at the Wollongong Bowling Club. However, due to the popularity of a recently introduced $5 schnitzel night, the society's meeting area has been taken over by hungry schnitzel lovers. So, consequently, a new meeting place was sought and found with all future meetings of the Illawarra Amateur Radio Society now to be held at the Coniston Community Hall on Bridge Street. Now that's between the Bridge Theatre and Coniston Railway Station. Next Sunday, the 18th of November, Amateur Radio New South Wales will be conducting a one-day foundation course at the VK2WI site, that's at 63 Quarry Road, Dural, at 830 the following Sunday, the 25th, will be assessments for all licence grades, inquiries and bookings to education at newsouthwales.org.au. All web addresses, all email addresses are to be found when you read the text edition. But very quickly, that one is education at arnsw.org.au and it's a start time of 0900 hours. Sunday the 25th of November is also the last of the Trash and Treasure events for the year at the VK2WI site. It'll get underway about 9.30 hours. Major items on offer are to be found under disposals on arnsw.org.au. VK3 and a busy time ahead for Amateur Radio Victoria. The next quarterly speaker night is this Tuesday, November 13 at 8pm. It will be conducted by Peter Cousins, VK3BFG, who will be taking the mystery out of SWR. This very interesting talk at 40G Victory Boulevard, Ashburton. The Keith Roger Memorial National Parks Awards Special Weekend kicks off Friday, November the 16th, running through to Sunday the 18th. A master list of national parks can be activated and the award rules are on the Amateur Radio Victoria website. Mark Harrison, VK3BYY, NERG News Editor, says that their meeting held on Thursday the 8th saw Peter, VK3TBN, talking about software-defined radios. Peter has been playing with a USB DVB TV receiver stick. These cheap devices are designed to receive digital TV, FM and DAB broadcasts on a PC with open-source software. However, they become a very general-purpose VHF-UHF software-defined radio receiver for many other modes such as SSB, AM, FM, PSK, Tetra, as well as use as a spectrum analyzer between 64 megs up to 1.7 gigs. So if you have a USB DVB TV stick based on the Realtek RTL2832 chip, then all you need to get going on digital radio is to install one of the many free software packages. In VK4, Jeff Emery, VK4ZPP, has been thinking, and he was thinking along the very same lines as Peter, VK3TBN, about software-defined radios and these little sticks you put in your PCs. So for those in VK4, in fact, anywhere, uh, if you want to have a listen to Q News this morning, just go to wiaq.org.au and you can play the local VK4 edition. Talking of local editions, some ham fests are never publicised and the organisers wonder why year after year their numbers, both in attendance and in mainstream commercial sellers, diminish. Others are well aware of publicity and advising when their next ham fest will take place. Yes, we're in VK5 and like Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society, they're just one of the clubs who, just hours after their successful 2012 event, have announced the next date for next year, November 3rd, 2013. 
Just visit wia.org.au and under clubs, click the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society for the contact details. The K6 and the Peel Amateur Radio Group have a special anniversary coming up. In fact, it's their 30th. The president of PARG, VK6MLW, reports that to help celebrate, they'll be using a specially assigned call sign, VI6ARG30. PARG will be operating until the 18th of November. QSL card will be issued for stations worked. Further details on qrz.com. PARG will also be having celebrations today and next week, the 18th of November, which will include the club setting up in a local park in Mandurah. Everybody's welcome to swing past, say hello, or look for them on the air. PARG is a growing club with around 20 members and embrace all areas from Kunawara through to Waruna, incorporating Rockingham and Mandurah in VK6. PARG has been working on a mobile communications trailer for the past couple of years, which was obtained through generous donations from sponsors like the SES at Mandurah. The trailer is primarily used for emergency communication backup to the SES. PARG is currently in early stages of sourcing a suitable clubhouse. VK6MLW says, please do not hesitate to contact any of the committee members for more information on them and their activities. Just go to wia.org.au, have a look under Clubs and VK6 for the Peel Amateur Radio Group. VK7 Southern News, Morse Code Practice Net on 3540 at 18.30 hours nightly. That's Tassie time. The format... Simple QSOs, and it'll evolve from there. So anybody interested in learning Morse or in brushing up their skills, join in 3540 at 18.30 hours nightly Tassie time. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In Victoria, it can be heard through the Amateur Radio Victoria VK3BWI broadcast network. Each Sunday at 10.30am and 8pm. On the two-metre repeaters VK3RMM at Mount Macedon and VK3RML Mount Daninong, plus the 80, 40 and 30-metre bands. I'm Barry Robinson, VK3 Papa Victor. What use is an F-call? As an amateur, you have access to a whole range of frequencies. When I started in this hobby, I chose to buy an all-band set which allows me access to the main amateur bands, 160 metres through to 70 centimetres. As I talked to other amateurs, it occurred to me that apart from having a radio that can do all those bands, it also turns out that there are amateurs who favour particular bands. Of course, some of the preferences for a particular band comes from having a suitable antenna, since not everyone has access to space where you can put up an antenna farm or a large dipole to access some of the lower bands. Those considerations aside, while real, only show part of the picture. It turns out that within amateur radio, there are some who stay on their particular band, or sometimes even their frequency, and are happy to do so. Having participated in a few contests over the past year, I can say that talking to new and varied people on a variety of bands has given me much joy. I've now tuned across and spoken on most amateur bands, either with my own call sign or as a contest participant with a club sign. If you only have access to a handheld radio, capable of 2 metres and 70 sems, I'd like to encourage you to find a friend with a station capable of using HF and spending a little time perusing the bands. 
And if you're a dyed-in-the-wool HF participant, tune your gear to UHF and VHF once in a while. You might be surprised. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot Lima Alpha Bravo. From the WIA News Hub in Sydney and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. With international news, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Today, Sunday, is Remembrance Day. Every second Sunday in November, the SARL, in a special church service transmitted in the last 15 minutes of Amateur Radio Today, they remember all those who lost their lives in defence of their country. The service will first be transmitted at 10.45 CAT on the 11th of November. The service will be conducted by Dominique Jen Kramer, ZS6JRK. All amateur radio stations have been requested to observe radio silence as a mark of respect. In the UK, special event station GB4WLR will be on air today, the 11th of November, as part of the Remembrance Sunday commemorations. A World War I locomotive is expected to be in steam on the West Lancashire Light Railway at Hesketh Bank. The locomotive served behind the front lines during World War I and is named Joffrey. WIA National News a few weeks back made mention of satellite jamming in the Middle East. Well, according to European satellite operator Utelsat, disruptions in these satellite signals in the Middle East and Europe have been traced back to Syria and Iran. There has been speculation that the jamming is a reaction to changes in the regulations put forth by the International Telecommunications Union to comply with the European Union's increasingly tough sanctions on Iran. The ITU altered its regulations at the World Radio Communication Conference in Geneva after receiving complaints of repeated and deliberate interference in the reception of TV in Persian and Arabic. Because of these changes, Utelsat no longer carries 19 radio and television channels broadcast by the Islamic Republic of Iran Broadcasting. For its part, the International Telecommunications Union says that these recent incidents are not the first time there have been allegations of Iran blocking communications from the outside world. The latest wave of interference has affected numerous radio and TV broadcasters including the BBC, France 24, Deutschwelle and The Voice of America. Still in space, and it's been announced a stage star of Phantom of the Opera will be the next visitor to the ISS. The British songstress who created the role of Christine Day in Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical stage classic is even closer to becoming a star amongst the stars. Amateur Radio Newsline's Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF, has the score. It was announced in Moscow that world-famous soprano Sarah Brightman had passed the required mental and physical examinations to permit her to fly to the International Space Station. And in a video of the press conference made public by the Russian space agency Roscosmos and the singer, Brightman described how, as a child, she was inspired to this by the Apollo 11 landing on the moon. When I look back, my mind's eye brings me to a rush of images from all of the incredible things that I have been privileged to experience in my life. But if I keep tracking back, my thoughts eventually come to rest on a flickering TV screen in 1969. There, as a small and incredulous child, I watched a man bound gently from the steps of a rocket ship and land on the surface of the moon. This really was an adventure. It was something miraculous. For me, it was an epiphany. From that moment, I began looking into the future. 
I began to dream of what life might hold in store for me and of what I could accomplish. During her comments, Brightman said that the trip would serve as a way to promote environmental awareness and to encourage women's education by helping to close the gender gap in the sciences. For this, she has called on the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, better known as UNESCO, to join with her to make it happen. There are two key areas that we have identified which unify my personal passions UNESCO's objectives and my spaceflight, both are inextricably linked and both relate to issues of sustainability. After completing an upcoming world tour to promote her new album, appropriately called Dream Chaser, Brightman will undertake six months of training at Star City in Moscow in preparation for her mission to the International Space Station. Once on orbit, she is expected to take part in several education ventures, as we've just mentioned, but it's not yet known if she'll obtain an amateur radio license or has any plans to make any ham radio contacts from the ISS. For the Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF. I'm in the newsroom in the City of Angels. Tracking cell phones by tricking them into operating on a bogus network is a law enforcement tactic shrouded in secrecy. Now the FBI is under pressure to release information about it, but the Bureau doesn't want to let go of 25,000 pages of documents on sophisticated cell surveillance technology. In an Arizona court case last year, it was made public that the FBI had used a cell site simulator in order to track down a suspect. The portable equipment, sometimes described as either an IMSI catcher or a stingray, covertly sends out a signal that fools all phones within a specific area into connecting to a fake network. The spy tool can force targeted phones to release unique identity codes that can then be used to track a person's movements in real time. Those stories from the Amateur Radio Newsline. You're tuned to the WIA National News Service across Australia. I'm Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF. From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Operational News, Dateline 2012, I'm Felix VK4FUQ. This weekend, the Remembrance Day weekend, we see the JIDX contest in the WAE Ritty contest. Worldwide, November 24-25, the CQ Worldwide DX contest CW... And here in VK, in November 24 and 25, the Spring VHF UHF Field Day Contest. Wrapping up this month, ARRL's 160m contest is November 30. Special event stations, DX and Beacon and Net Advice, World DX Club to close down. It has been announced that the World DX Club WDXC is to close. A final issue of Contact Magazine is to be published in December. For 44 years, the club have published their newsletter, Contact Magazine, every month containing station logs, news, information and comment about radio and radio broadcasts, both current and historical, primarily but not exclusively international shore radio. Regretfully, due to health reasons, Arthur and Oliver Ward have had to step down from their club duties in charge of membership subscriptions, dispatch of bulletins as well as many contributions to the content of Contact over the years. Arthur became club printer in July 1974 and added the secretarial role in December 1979. This leaves the club with too few voluntary staff for the work involved and it has been decided to cease publication of contact. It is understood that outstanding subscriptions are to be transferred to the British Dex Club for UK and overseas members outside of North America and to the North American Shortwave Association for North American Members. 
The AWR report that 14-year-old radio amateur Tom Jose VU3 TMO has just achieved his Digital DXCC award. First licensed when he was 13 years old in December of 2011, VU3 TMO is a third-generation ham operator in his family along with his parents. VU3 TMO is a member of India's National Institute of Amateur Radio and the Dayton Amateur Radio Association. He is reported to be one of the youngest hams in the subcontinent. Broadcast monitoring SWL and scanner news. Petition to save RCI Sackville from being dismantled. Thomas Witherspoon, K4SWL, has launched a petition to save Radio Canada International's Sackville site from being dismantled. K4SWL says, Could you please take a few moments out of your day to sign this petition I started? Your voice will be added to the petition and it will automatically email the appropriate Canadian politicians who could, at the very least, put a halt to the destruction of the RCI Sackville site. KRML, Carmel, California KRML is the AM station made famous in Clint Eastwood's 1971 movie, Play Misty For Me, in which Eastwood plays a jazz DJ stalked by a disturbed listener. The station on both 1410am and the translator on 102.2 has dropped the jazz blues format and is playing a hit radio stunt. It's airing the same 10 to 40 tunes repeatedly and has, at least temporarily, positioned itself as 102.1 Radio Yummy. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ Inningham. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In VK5, it can be heard on 7.140 MHz at 9am Sundays. I'm Charlie, VK5 KDK. Good morning, this is Robert, VK3DN, with the Q News Workbench and Special Interest Group News. Final Frontier. Spot the space station over your backyard with a new NASA service. On the 12th anniversary of the crews continuously living and working aboard the International Space Station, NASA has announced a new service to help people see the orbiting laboratory when it passes overhead. Spot the station will send you an email or text message a few hours before you'll be able to see the space station. It's really remarkable to see the space station fly overhead and to realise that humans built an orbital complex that can be spotted from Earth by almost anyone looking up at just the right moment said NASA's Associate Administrator for Human Exploration and Operations. When the space station is visible, typically at dawn or dusk, it is the brightest object in the night sky, other than the moon. On a clear night, the station is visible as a fast-moving point of light, similar in size and brightness to the planet Venus. Spot the station users will have options to receive alerts about morning, evening or both types of sightings. The International Space Station's trajectory passes over more than 90% of the Earth's population. The service is designed to only notify users of passes that are high enough in the sky to be easily visible over trees, buildings and other objects on the horizon. November the 2nd marked 12 years of continuous human habitation on the space station. To sign up for Spot the Station, visit web address spotthestation.nasa.gov Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio, Wyson. 
Entark Weissen coordinator Norm VK7KTN reports that thanks largely to the fine efforts of VK7DC in signing on communications volunteers for the Tasmanian State Equine Endurance Championships to be held at Sassafras over the Friday night and Saturday, that's 30th of November and 1st of December, Weissen will be able to support the event. And in other news, on the IIIU Region 1 website, Greg G0DUB reports on Hamnet involvement in the search for a missing aircraft. Hamnet, the amateur radio emergency communications organisation for South Africa, has concluded its involvement in a cross-border search and rescue operation for a missing aircraft. A South African light aircraft on a flight from Malawi to Lanseri Airport in South Africa failed to make a regular radio contact over Mozambique. The South African Air Rescue Control Centre was advised and requested some assistance. Hamnet received a call from the IRCC asking for communication support between OR Tambo Airport in Johannesburg and Beray in Mozambique to assist with the coordination of the search efforts and the request went out to Hamnet members to form a team to travel to Beray and to provide a HF communications link between the two countries using frequencies in the 30 and 20 metre bands. Sadly, the search for the missing plane and its occupants was unsuccessful and was scaled back last Saturday, November the 3rd. The Q News Workbench Mobile phone has a built-in VHF UHF transceiver. The 409 shop in Hong Kong says that the Puxing PXD03 operates as a dual-band VHF-UHF transceiver as well as being a GSM mobile phone. The transceiver covers 136 to 174 MHz and 400 to 470 MHz FM with 1.8 watts of output. Whilst it wouldn't be approved for use in Australia, it is interesting to see what's being developed and the shape of things to come. This has been Robert, VK3DN, reporting for WIA National News. Thanks, Robert. Now, we might have a look at Rewind, and for this edition, we cross over to Amateur Radio Newsline. Do you remember Sealand? That's the self-proclaimed principality that also once claimed to be a DXCC entity. Well, it's still there, but changes are in the wind. Amateur Radio Newsline's Cheryl Lassick, K9BIK, takes a look back in recent history. Sealand is a former United Kingdom anti-aircraft tower legally known as Ruff's Tower. It's located in the North Sea, some seven nautical miles off the shore of Suffolk, England. The tower was occupied by a retired Army major named Paddy Roy Bates, along with his family, in 1967. On September 2nd of that year, Major Bates declared the fort an independent sovereign state from the UK and renamed it Sealand. He went on to establish Sealand as a nation in 1975. Sealand had its own constitution, flag, national anthem, stamps, passports, and currency. There were even a few de-expeditions to Sealand. This included an operation by a group of German de-Xers in 1982 using Sealand's self-proclaimed and unofficial call sign prefix of S1A. Later in 2000, there was the Dutchland 1-SLA-1 operation, but neither of these was awarded DXCC status. Now comes word that Major Bates passed away on October 9th in a senior care home in Essex, England, at the age of 91. This after a long battle with Alzheimer's. But the Sealand saga is far from over. His wife Joan is now expected to take over the rule of the self-proclaimed nation. Also at a micro-nations conference hosted by the University of Sunderland in 2004, 
Sealand was represented by Michael Bates' son James, who was referred to as Prince Royal James. But whomever takes on the leadership of Sealand, one thing is fairly certain. Mounting a de-expedition to Sealand in the hope of establishing it as a new DXCC entity would likely be a very expensive waste of time. For the Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Cheryl Essek, K9BIK in Zion, Illinois. Thanks, Cheryl. Now, here on VK1 WIA National News, it's about time we had the final final for today. And we'll be heading to Ed VK2JI. We'll see you all again next week. We'll leave the final final to Ed. And as we always say, walk softly. One of the most important de-expeditions of the year is about to start. ZL9HR will be active from the UNESCO World Heritage, Campbell Island, which is 650 kilometres south of New Zealand in the Great Southern Ocean. This sub-Antarctic island is sought after not only for DXCC and IOTA, reference OC037, awards, but I have been informed by August, HB9TZA, also for the World Flora and Fauna Radio Award, where the island has the reference Zulu Lima Fox Fox 019. Please check out www.wff44.org for details of that competition. I am glad to report all plans are still on schedule and ZL9HR will be active on all bands from 160 metres to 6 metres from November the 28th to December the 9th from Campbell Island. He is hoping for mild weather and good propagation for the event. As always, please refer to the D-Expeditions website, ZuluLima9HotelRadio.com for all details and latest updates. Thanks. This is Ed, VK2JI. Australian Publicity Officer for ZL9HR. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported, you decide.